Only when I have ceased to breathe will I be dead. I have led the entire human race to ruin. Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Get to the chopper! Shut up. You have been a good boy. Have a lollipop. That was the speech. It was dumb. It was obvious. It was pointless. It was short. I loved it. Welcome to Film Logic, a movie podcast about the movies of yesterday, today, and tomorrow, with all the fandoms in between. I am your host, Mike, with my fellow co-host, Adam. Adam, are you there? What's going on, dude? Ah, I am getting off a very long Monday night. I hope your day was going well. Yeah, I mean, Mondays, am I right? Yeah. You know, I hate Mondays, and I love lasagna. <laughs> That's my life. <laughs> yeah, Mike, and, you know, as, you know, we're part of, you know, the, the Retrologic family tree, um, I, it feels only right that when the uh, the Garfield movie comes out, we, we got to review it. A comprehensive one. And I'm so glad they picked the right ethnicity and lifestyle of Garfield, that being of Chris Pratt. Because that is how I envision him in my head. You envision him as a, a large orange cat? Yes. And vice versa. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, uh, it's, it's, I, I don't, does Chris Pratt just have, you know, dirt on somebody in Hollywood? How does he keep getting these roles? <laughs> these like voice acting roles i don't i don't get it i have a feeling that he has like the best agent in the world and this this agent is just wheeling and dealing it's pretty much professor xavier right (laughs) professor xavier using mind tricks to get him whatever he so pleases right you know next thing you know he's gonna he's gonna be voicing like Cyclops and the 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 rendition, the new rendition of X Men. <laughs> uh, oh. He's gonna he's gonna end up voicing every cartoon character from our childhood. My goodness, I just can't wait for him to be Kim Jong Un in the biopic, because <laughs> that's how I'll know that he can get anything on God's green earth. <laughs> right, and I mean honestly, over I don't know, maybe the last five years as a sample size. Mm-hmm. It feels like he's been in more animated films than maybe live roles. Yeah, I mean, I, I can only think of Mario and Garfield coming up. Um, a- anything else come to mind? Well, I'm trying to think of, like, even just live things that he's done, right? Like, besides Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Right. And what, he was, in the, probably in the last five years, there was a, there was like a Jurassic Park movie or something, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. He He got Jurassic Park. You can take that off his bingo board. Um, for like somewhere wedged into his career, he was in like this uh, like old western movie where he was the where he was the villain, and I'd only heard about it like offhand. You're like, "Hey, did you see that? You know, insert Wild West movie." Oh yeah, Chris Pratt is the villain, and no one has ever brought that up again. So either someone was lying to me, and it just got stuck in my mind, or I don't know. Right. Well, so he's also in, of course, the Lego movie. Oh, yes. And both of them. And he was also in Onward, right, with Tom Holland? Mm-hmm. But, you know, to to be the voice of Lego, Garfield, and Mario, like, that's that's a lot of childhood real estate. 
Yeah. And the reason he didn't get Sonic is probably because his agent, someone had dirt on his agent that was equally as bad. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, he's put together quite a run. I mean, in the last, so the Lego movie, I mean, hasn't, the Lego Movie 2 came out in 2019, so I guess we can count that. But it's just like, yeah, mm-hmm. he, he might have been in more animated yeah. stuff as of late. Yeah, and that, that Wild West movie is The Kid. Oh. 2019. Man, I had no idea. Like, he's not bragging about that he was in a Wild West movie. <laughs> he's not saying, oh, you know, I was with Ethan Hawke and Adam Baldwin in this great american western film right yeah weird oh the kid that came out in 2019 yeah so random yeah like right like it's surrounded by a bunch of lego and avengers and like other animated stuff and then boom the tomorrow war (laughs) and then and then he was in a that military movie or that series that i just read the book to terminal list on prime Mm-hmm. And he plays a straight up like the polar opposite of Andy Dwyer, like stone <laughs> stone cold Marine who just kills without mercy to anyone who's ever looked at his wife wrong. <laughs> oh, man. So I'm looking at this movie, The Kid. Yeah. And first and foremost, it's directed by Vincent D'Onofrio, who, you know, one of the greatest actors of all time. Right. Mm hmm. And it's also co-starring Ethan Hawke, Dane DeHaan, and Adam Baldwin. Yeah. this <laughs> It's crazy. I mean, they have two, you know, two people from Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. You know, Ethan Hawke, probably the greatest supporting actor of all time. Absolutely. How have I not heard of this movie? Yeah. And how, how in the world is your career that good? Where you can put, like, you can forget to mention the kid. Like, maybe that, maybe that's the movie that doesn't get put on your resume. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. I mean, how was it, rele- how was it received? I don't know. That's like, the... it, it was either, like, so decent that it's not worth talking about, or it was, like, so blah that it's not worth talking about. But nev- not, like, too hot or nor too cold. Yeah, it based on all the reviews I'm seeing, it just looks literally the middle of the road. It's literally yeah. a 51 out of 100 on Metacritic. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a shame, because I'm a fan of all those people. Right. And I'm going to tell a story a little bit later about how even the best talent can be put in absolute junk. <laughs> um, Fair enough. But, you know, but before we move to that, I just want to say he was on episodes of The Batman, Ben 10, Ultimate Alien, Top Chef Seattle... And the OC. Who is this? Chris Pratt? Chris Pratt, yeah. So oh, What? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, he, he played Jake on Batman. You know, Jake. And, <laughs> what? <laughs> and, and Cooper on Ben 10. You know, Cooper. Yeah, Cooper's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways. That's funny. You know, this is going to, not to belabor the point, but for some reason, Chris Pratt and Chick-fil-A are the mm. same thing in my brain. Yeah. Did he ever do like a commercial for them? Because I just feel like when I think of Chris Pratt, I think of Chick-fil-A. Um, I I don't think so, but he has similar political and social leanings that Chick-fil-A does. 
so I can see why you might be associating the two together. And they kind of, the people that like Chick-fil-A like Chris Pratt. <laughs> right, right. Okay, yeah. It's it's like that guy who said, um, I don't know how to explain this, but, um, you know, he was saying, oh gosh, uh, root beer tastes like Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> and I thought about that, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I guess root beer is what you think Abraham Lincoln tastes like. <laughs> I mean, I, um, I don't have enough evidence to disagree, but... Yeah. It doesn't sit right with me. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Well, you moving mean, on. <laughs> Fair moving enough. Moving on. All right. Chris, uh, you know, just going to take this checklist. Chris Pratt. <laughs> Check. All right, Adam, what have you seen? Oh, man. Uh, Mike, this week has been a, a fantastic week for, for cinema. Um, in so much of the fact that the movie Napoleon came out. <laughs> um. It's it's a very very strange movie. Um, it's um, it, you'll either love this movie or you'll you'll absolutely hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think if I were to rate it like just with a a critic brain, I think I would give it like a like a six point eight or a seven, and I think that's about where it's sitting right now across all the uh, the right. aggregates. Um, personally, it's 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 much higher for me. I, I enjoy the heck out of it. I thought it was a really weird, wonderfully weird movie. Um, I'd give it like an eight point two, maybe. Like Joaquin Phoenix delivers such a it's it's um it's wonderfully jarring the the performance that he kind of brings. Um, it's the way that I've been describing it is: Did you ever watch that movie in like from the early two thousands, Marie Antoinette with um Kirsten Dunst? Uh, yes, yes. So it's like. If somebody took that movie and took the Joker and made a baby with it, and that's um, kind of what Napoleon feels like. It's um, he, Joaquin Joaquin's acting performance. He 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 brings to life this Napoleon character that's very like neurotic and weird, and um, it's he he's very awkward and he's very um, it's and I. The, the way that I've been describing it is, like, it feels like the movie that Napoleon would make about himself, but not understand why people thought he he's weird, if right. that makes sense. Like, he, in this movie, he tries and says and does these really great things, but he, mm-hmm. he doesn't understand why the people around him, the ones that he, like, most craves their respect from, don't respect him. <laughs> And um, it, it's kind of like this weird anti-great man oh. biopic with, like, um, the writing is also super weird. Like, there's mm-hmm. these random, like, non-sequiturs that, like, bring it into the realm of, like, Black Adder instead of, like, a serious biopic. Like, wow. there's this sequence where he's eating in the, like... He's eating in his tent outside the Great Pyramids in Giza with mm-hmm. one of his generals, and his generals bring him like this bad news, and he says, <laughs> "He's like, you can leave now. No dessert for you." And he, it's so, it's so weird. And you're like, who, who wrote this? Yeah, um, I mean, was Napoleon known for like Seinfeld lines and like early, <laughs> like late '90s sitcom quips? 
Right. Uh, but then there's like these moments where um, there's this coronation sequence where they um, decide, or France, you know, decides to make him emperor. And, you know, normally how it goes and these things are like, oh, and, and you're God's chosen, whatever, whatever. And before the priest can get through to that, he takes the crown and he like, he says, and I crown myself the king of France. You're like, whoa, this is awesome. This is so epic. Like, this is, this is what I signed up for. But then, you know, there's, you know, the, you know, the other bits and the weird. Yeah, we're on a unicycle and juggling and. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far, but um, yeah, it's, it's very disarming. And uh, I, so like, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like I said, I, I think it's, um, I think it's wonderfully weird. Um, the, it's beautifully shot. It's, um, another, another in the line of the, uh, the Apple, um, movies that they've been pushing out lately. Um, so it, you know, it looks beautiful. Um, you know, the, the shots are great. Um, the visuals are really solid. The, the battle sequences are, are really neat. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's just, yeah, it, it's just wonderfully disarmingly weird. Um, and yeah, you'll either, you'll either hate it or you'll, you'll absolutely love it. Yeah, it sounds like my kind of movie, and somehow I feel like I'd hate it. <laughs> yeah, like you, I, I'll be interested to see how I feel about it after subsequent watches. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it's definitely not Master and Commander, but it's also not like, you know, Gladiator, which I think is the easiest kind of reach, because it's, you know, the same director, really, Scott. Um because even in that, like, the movie's tone itself is very serious, but it right. feels like this movie doesn't take itself or its subject matter seriously, if that makes sense. Right, right. Hmm. Yeah, it's one of those, like, one of those mamby-pamby directors trying to add a little silliness to something serious. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, And I, I don't think it's... <laughs> yeah, and I, I honestly don't know how much of it is was Ridley Scott's intention as much as it was Joaquin Phoenix's delivery of the character. And it, it definitely feels like, at least from a, a story writing perspective, it feels like uh, they're trying to go for like an emperor's new clothes sort of situation, mm-hmm. right? Where, you know, the, the, the classic fairy tale, um, you know, where the, you know, two people arrive at the capital or whatever, and they, they swindle an emperor, um, and, like, trying to sell, like, these magnificent, magnificent clothes, um, that are, like, invisible or whatever, um, and yeah. only people that are smart enough can see them, but if you're too dumb, they're invisible, so the mm-hmm. emperor, like, pretends, and, but then nobody can say anything because he's the emperor, but he's, like, running around naked, so right. it's kind of that that's like that that fairy tale moral or that fable is definitely like kind of what this that movie feels like. Mm, interesting. So yeah, I mean definitely give it a give it a go yourself if you're interested. Um I you know, I I can't necessarily say that you're gonna love it. Um you might end up really hating it, but mm. uh it's an experience. And it's one of those things where um, and I, I think that, like, where, where Joker, like, even Joker got nominated for, you know, Academy Awards stuff just yeah. because of Joaquin oh. Phoenix's stuff, even though it wasn't necessarily critically well-received. I think this will be a similar situation. 
where Joaquin's performance is like so alarming and it just it, yeah it, he's yeah. he like he's must watch um and the cinematography but like other than that it's just it's just a really weird it's weird yeah and i feel like a lot especially this year a lot of actors are doing like that and like it feels like they're reading the script and they're saying this is like c plus at best so i'm gonna do like the wackiest most foppish character to at least at least be memorable as this movie you know does okay kind of like how you know fast x and jason momoa right going totally bananas throughout the whole movie right um, yeah and i think these guys are just hoping to be crazy enough where they get like best actor best supporting actor Right, right, and I, and I, I wouldn't necessarily say that that's what Joaquin was going for. Like he's very serious throughout. Like it's not he's not overacting. He's just very he's very serious. But it almost feels like everyone around him is confused about why he's being so serious. Right, and part of it I think is the story and the character. But I also think part of it is just Joaquin Phoenix's performance. So it's it's kind of like this weird meld of like meta and like meta reality and this you know this art of movie making. So it's 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 a very strange it's a, it's a strange movie. Right. Well, mm. I'm so glad that you saw something that just came out. Yes. Um, I finally sat down. And well, let me tell you, like, I have like this, this scope of the best movie I've seen this month and also the worst movie kind of back yeah. to back. So <laughs> everyone was talking about A24's um, past lives movie. Mm-hmm. And since we're all a bunch of geeks, I thought that this uh, this kind of uh, artsy uh, film, not even a movie, it's a film. Um, mm-hmm. It's like uh, about a relationship between a girl from Korea named Nora and a guy from Korea um, who were like childhood sweethearts. And it's about how they're um, every 12 years, they get a chance to meet and they try to work out a relationship, but like something doesn't move. And then 12 years goes by and they try again. So, you know, it's all about how each phase of their life, they look at the relationship a little bit differently. And I was you know, I thought because Retrologic liked it, that there must have been a sci-fi element to it. Like, you know, that they were going to, like, I don't know, switch bodies or something or tr- travel in time. And, you know, mind you, I hadn't seen any trailers. I'm going off of 100% recommendation. Um, I was surprised to see that this movie was actually very riveting. Um, and it it got to be like riveting and interesting. Both my my wife and I just watching it and just kind of wanting to know more by doing some of the most mundane things. So like, mm. there's these very slow scenes that just kind of seem to take forever, or these characters that just kind of stare for like a whole like three seconds. It feels like a lifetime before anyone speaks. Like people will just stare at each other and do like these tiny micro expressions on their face. But like, <laughs> but for some reason, the way the director and the writer wrote the movie, like you kind of wanted to know more about the relationship. You wanted to, like, you still felt like you could invest in the, the female Nora as she decides whether to 
go further with this guy that she's known all her life or kind of move on without him. And mm-hmm. so it's it's almost like like getting gossip for like a friend's relationship third hand but and wanting to know more even though it's not like a really an exciting relationship. Right. And like and even at the end like when like the big reveal happens or like the big like moment of truth um and you're like oh my gosh I am part of her life. Mm. She's not just dating this guy. We're all dating this guy. We're all <laughs> asking what if. And, uh, you know, yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I totally, I love, I, yeah. Every person that I've heard talk about this movie, I, um, I hear the same thing. Yeah. And I mean, I, I have yet to see this. I, I have, I, I should see this. Is it on? What, what is it on? It's on my library. Oh, okay. Did you go that's buy it somewhere? Get, that's where I get the movies. If you want to go down to the Arnett oh. Library in Monroe County, <laughs> yeah, I'll be returning it on Tuesday. Beautiful. <laughs> yes. Um. But yeah, I gotta find it. But I mean, I um, you know, my 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 mom and my dad love those like Korean dramas that are always on yeah. TV or on streaming services, and yeah. Koreans just get the the human emotional drama so well they they nail it yeah um, it's, it's like subtlety that's incredibly intriguing and i don't know right. how to explain that any better like how can you be so subtle and give so little right and yet give so much right right <laughs> and you know i you know speaking as someone that isn't you know an expert in anything that he's about to say but um culturally it just seems um it just seems like a that like the reality for um the korean people it it seems like it's um you know when people talk about like the west and how we express our emotions you know differently Mm -hmm. than you know more freely some would say we're more bombastic and more you know we we wear Mm -hmm. our emotions on the sleeve and you know speaking as um you know as a as a filipino american and uh i'm and i'm sure your interaction with your your wife and your uh-huh. your in-laws um it's you know expressing your emotions is is not something that is necessarily um forthcoming <laughs> in um you know in my mom's culture right and um and so i think a lot of but so i think a lot of it comes from a um an indwelling of feeling those emotions and being unable to to act them out because of societal pressure and I think that that's a struggle that they're culturally that the Koreans and and, and people in that part mm-hmm. of the world struggle with. So I think that's why they they express it so well in their mm-hmm. their art forms. There's always like a a longing sense in everything that they do. Yeah, and it, like one of the things like the movie is just you know kind of feels like a a lazy Sunday morning pace. Mm-hmm. And there's not much to do. There's not like huge reactions and like tears bursting into crying. You right. Know, people even say hello, like at the slowest pace possible. A movie could say. So you're you're forced to kind of like stare at the character and watch their eyes move. And you and the way that the characters choose to move their eyes, like forth, or, like tilt their head even slightly. You're like, oh my <laughs> genius, like. Even even if it's like, man, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. Like, I wouldn't wait five seconds to stare at someone and then say hello. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, 
but you know that's but like that's the the hallmark right of like every Mm -hmm. k-drama i've ever seen right um and it's it's one of those things right where um if any other piece of it's kind of like a telenovela right too where if any other piece of mute or a genre of media try to do it you'd be like no this is ridiculous but because right. it's such a hallmark of that media you're like this is perfect this is exactly what i wanted and right. you, you right. just love it like if it was just a bunch of white people i'd be like pretentious dipwads you know go back to <laughs> starbucks <laughs> you know but True. like yeah i'm like i'm part of korea's culture you know i'm 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 an inside man now you know yeah for sure uh you know i i love that Mm -hmm. uh it's yeah and they they just do they just do that they just do that so well so um yeah that's on my list of things to watch and i'm sure that that will um you know at the very least uh make a uh make some waves in uh oscar season as that comes um i've heard nothing but really great things um right that movie so well you can put that in the win category. So if I was to make a spectrum mm-hmm. of the most serious movie in the world, you know, past lives would be on the far end of the spectrum. <laughs> right. On the opposite end of the spectrum was this Netflix exclusive I took from the net library that I thought Timothy would like mm. because it would, it has Danny DeVito. It has John Krasinski in it. Mm. It has uh, so many good actors in this animated film called Animal Crackers, which is about a circus that gets shut down and this uh, mystical lady put like the power of the animals in these animal crackers. As you do. And oh my gosh, I have to, it's a star studded cast. But let me tell you, an hour, not even an hour went by. Mm-hmm. And did I feel like this was the worst thing ever? This is this is something that just it felt like a company. Like there's a, there's a reason why this didn't go to theaters, mm-hmm. all right? Just like right out of the bat. So uh, the other ones are Ian McKellen and Emily Blunt, right? And Sylvester mm-hmm. Stallone and Patrick Inc- Warburton. Incredible cast. Incredible cast. Oh, Gilbert Gottfried did it. Wow. So yeah, like all winners, people who cannot fail. We're right. in this Animal Crackers movie, and mm-hmm. the movie was just like, like you would, you had like this kind of husband and wife with their daughter. So John Krasinski, the husband, Emily Blunt, the, the wife, and their daughter, and they're trying to like raise her up and be like, because she comes from a family of like circus stars, mm-hmm. and you know they'll they'll have some like great banter between each other, and then they'll throw in like this wild pitch where like John Krasinski's character his job is to eat dog food and test it and you know his his co-workers are making a machine that turns dog food into you know makes it taste like lasagna because you know that's what dogs are looking for right and Not you know I mean, yeah everybody's like no one like walks around in this movie everybody does like ballet moves and um you know people get into like these ridiculous jokes that go on way too long like between gilbert godfried and ian mckellen where they're always arguing who's the henchman and who's the boss and you're 
and like then there's like these off-pitch jokes that just don't go anywhere and it like it feels like this company wanted blue dream studios i don't know who they are but they they wanted like the relationships of pixar but like the wackiness of dreamworks and they failed at both a hundred percent minus some good acting from john krasinski you know so i have to say that like this movie just like i just lost faith in all children's filming yeah right it (laughs) it really feels like there's there's no middle ground right either a children's movie is life changing or it's the worst thing you've ever seen in your life. Right, right. And now I know why people avoid them. Um when, well, you know, I, I made that meme and I put it in our film logic podcast where like every Pixar movie is, you know, excuse me, diverse children, I forbid you to do this one risky thing in our tribe because of archaic beliefs, and then you have the little girl going I'm going to build my whole life doing that one risky thing. And then you have Pixar or non-Pixar movies where you have a guy in a tube saying, my lasagna machine is making my cat fart out gumdrops. And it's just like, yeah, do you want the diverse experience that has family values or do you want a guy? Like, because that feels like our only two options. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, it's... I- it's it's tough to explain right and you know we we last week we talked about you know or last week the last episode we talked about you know uh dreamworks and you know the a lot of their movies walk that line of like uh you know (laughs) of disaster and total life-changing movie um and but they they always seem to, to to nail it yeah um and you know there maybe there are just some you know some companies that get it and and some that don't but i mm-hmm. like <laughs> you know for every minions movie you have prince of egypt right yeah it's it's 100% of one or 0% of the other like and i have to say that like it's it's scary though usually you can kind of tell you can kind of tell by the trailer if something's going to be absolute like this is a long, runny poop joke, or if this is going to try to make you cry at the end. Right. For good reason. Yeah. I will say that I, you know, I visited Rotten Tomatoes, Mm -hmm. and anyone who is excited to see Wish should know that it only got a 49% because um, Disney gambled on the fact that all their nostalgia and what made them great would just be, it would just be a huge callback to that. Mm-hmm. And they say that the, the you know this wish movie that came out is not really it doesn't have any substance to it. So yeah, I mean, even I, Disney can fail, right? Right. Yeah. Um. You know, but on the other side of the coin, you know, I had you know I I started back at work today, and you know, coming back from Thanksgiving break, which by the way, happy Thanksgiving to yes. uh all those Everybody. listeners. But um. But a lot of the the kids at my daycare had seen Wish, and they all loved it. So, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, you got to sit back and realize, maybe we're not the target audience. You know what? And that is a truth that I need to take with me whenever I watch kids' YouTube, whenever I need <laughs> to watch DreamWorks or Illumination, 
Right. Is as much as I would love to want to get it and relive my childhood, that like mm-hmm. that is extinct now. And the fart jokes are not from for me. <laughs> Adam, right. the fart jokes and the pee jokes are not for me anymore. They're for my son. <laughs> is that is that the truth? That's the truth. And it's so sad. It's like you know, when you see that stuff, you're like, where's my obnoxious fart joke? <laughs> and they're like, oh, I'm sorry. This is just for your three-year-old. <laughs> oh, man. Right. I um, I think back to uh, this one time we went on a field trip um, with my, uh, my daycare. We went to go see um, Abominable uh that we we talked briefly last time about it's like that yeti movie yeah that dreamworks trade and uh the uh there was a bit in the movie where there i it was it was just a very it was a throwaway quick little joke uh, that the grandma made something about like losing her teeth i don't even remember what it was it was a very it was a very child directed joke mm-hmm. and you know, some of the kids in the theater like give it a, a little bit of a like a, a quiet chuckle, but yeah. I like burst out laughing, and I was like the only, I was like the loudest person laughing in the theater by far, and it really made me question a lot about myself, Mike. Right, and I was like, it really made me think. I was like, Adam, you're 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 too old to to be laughing at stuff like this. You know, you need to be you need to be better than this, right? But at the same time, it just it tickled a part of um my my childhood, and it just brought me to that to that level. So you know, I, I think that that's you know the 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 positive right in these child kid movies mm-hmm. sometimes is that it brings you back to a place of that like childhood like innocence and um, just laugh at stuff that you don't normally get to laugh at as an adult i mean absolutely and i'm i'm at that awkward stage where i i wonder like do i ditch cartoon movies because i can never figure out which ones are good or which ones are bad Mm. or do i do i still go through the torture of seeing which ones will make me cry and which ones are norm of the north (laughs) you know right right yeah, and I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, the trailers, like you were saying, and um, the company, and um, yeah, for, for sure. I mean, I mean I, I've even gotten to the point where, you know, like, I, I'm usually a pretty big Pixar guy, but I, you know, I didn't see Elemental, and I don't know if I'll see the, I, I'm sure I'll probably see Inside Out, the new one, um, probably not in theaters, but I'm sure our, our, our daycare will watch it at some point on some, you know, random yeah night but like yeah like i you know i'm kind of at that point where i you know i i'm I'm not going out to see every single animated thing come out but Mm -hmm. you know but i am excited you know in the near future to go see the new um you know that new miyazaki movie um buenos heron and that's like an animated movie so you know you you gotta you gotta you gotta you know you gotta find uh, the ones that are for you right and we'll get into Probably in the later half of our show, a company yes. that's pretty much for us. Yeah, Forever yes. Alley. Right, and um, just my parting note before we get there is... Yeah. So I got three months of of Apple Plus as part of being mm. a new Roku, 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 Roku user. 
<laughs> Rokian. Yes, whatever that word is. <laughs> so I wanted to check out what this Monarch Legacy of Monsters is about. Mm. And I have to say, uh, the first two episodes kind of slow. You know, they're more about like uh, a family and a girl trying to figure out why her dad was sleeping around. More in like kind of a corny secret underground Godzilla killing squad called the Monarch. It's more about that than it is about the monsters, though they'll make like a monster kind of show up just momentarily just to kind of like say, hey, didn't we didn't forget about it. So, you know, the first two episodes, a lot of character building. I totally thought Monarch meant like it was going to be a king of fighters. Like you're going to put like a huge city and like Godzilla's in one corner and Mothra's in the other corner and Gamera's in the third corner and, you know, last man to survive wins. Um, right. But it, it, it's, it's not like that. It's more like, uh, look at this underground cover up kind of a group. Um, and they don't really talk that much about Godzilla, except it's kind of like, a, oh, don't worry, folks, he's coming. <laughs> so, right. And I, I, think that that's, I think that's been my biggest disappointment mm-hmm. with, you know, the the last, you know, five Godzilla movies is yeah. really people. All people want to see are the big monsters destroying things and fighting right. each other. And right. they just keep giving us these little human dramas that nobody wanted and those are the focus and the monster fights are like background secondary thoughts right and we know where to go if we wanted family drama we <laughs> right <laughs> right we're we're going to a24 and we're booting yeah. up every korean drama that they have right so yeah you're absolutely right like which mm. On the flip side, Godzilla minus one just came out, and yeah. it's like it's Japan's like rebirth into the Godzilla series. It's a uh, and it's got a hundred percent right now because everyone's saying it's back to its roots. Yeah, um, and it's like a after World War Two Godzilla destruction thing. So that excites me. Yeah, I I'm very excited for that. Um, yeah, I I can't wait to see that. I want to see that on the biggest screen possible. Right. And the CGI kind of looks spot on, which is something you usually don't say about Godzilla movies in Japan. (laughs) Right. You know, and, you know, that's part of the, uh, you know, the original charm of it, right? But, I mean, I I can't remember the last kaiju movie. It probably was the first Pacific Rim where I've walked away being like, that was enough giant kaiju fighting for me. Right. And that's so disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. I think I saw I saw that one with I wanna say Anne Hathaway. It was like very uh ironic because it had kaiju in it, but it was about her relationship and her ability to turn into a giant monster that uh destroyed Tokyo or Korea. I don't remember that one. Oh my gosh. It was like it played in like the the kind of the artsy uh mm. theaters. It wasn't okay. a, like, a big thing, but yeah, I, it probably wasn't Anne Hathaway. It was like, or maybe it was uh, one of those uh, quirky actresses. Sure. Yeah. But <laughs> um, speaking of quirky and dark and uh, things that like are very cool, yet I don't want my toddler watching them. Um, our assignment, Adam, was to look at the films of Laika or 
I want to say it's Laika Studios. L A I K A Studios. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um I had to stumble upon their website, but when I when I read everything that these guys have made, starting with Coraline and um ending their latest movie was The Missing Link and everything in between, Paranorman, Fox Trolls, Kubo. Um, I was delighted the fact that all of these great movies were under one company name. Um and so mm-hmm. my philosophy uh with this studio is that like you have Pixar, which is all like family, Ohana means family, you know, <laughs> philosophy of mm-hmm. being together and community and what's it mean to be a part of a diverse group but wanting to be independent. Um, you know, the American right to stand out and be your own princess. Mm. Um, and then you have like DreamWorks, which is like, ah, you know, this is silly animals doing silly things. Sometimes it's a troll, sometimes it's Prince of Egypt, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's uh Brad Pitt as Mega Mind or uh, you know, all over the place. Mm. Um, and then you have Leica, Leica, which is kind of like. What if samurais fought demons, but in like a PG fun way? <laughs> what if, you know, what if the dead came back and haunted a boy, but in a fun PG way? Right. You know, what if a monkey tried to be the missing link in evolution, but in a fun PG way? Right. And like, hands down, after watching Kubo, I said, this, this is my animated studio I wish I'd put money down when these guys started. Um, you know, I wholeheartedly support these guys. I'm so glad they exist. Right. Right, for sure. And you know, the, the I love everything about um yeah, the studio from its origin story to the movies that it puts out, even its animation techniques. Um yeah, so I'm I'm super excited that we're we're talking about these guys today and um yeah, I can't wait to get into it. Yeah, so Leica Studios wants to be known as the only studio that does stop-motion animation. Mm. And if you think they mean Gumby, or that (laughs) horrible acclamation that you saw, like, this is a whole new level. Mm. And I instantly prefer the sweat and toil that these guys had to do doing stop-motion. Right. Because it's not really behind a computer, though eventually get in a computer... But it's like you still have to set up like a stage. You have to play right. with dolls, right? And right. you have to do painstaking animation to show facial and motion and fight scenes. Yeah, it's yeah. The what they're able to achieve, um, not only in their action but in their atmospheric storytelling. Um, and considering that it's you know claymation stop motion, mm-hmm. uh, it's. It's incredible uh, what they've been able to achieve. And, you know, this isn't, you know, this isn't your, you know, this isn't, you know, uh, DreamWorks. This isn't Pixar. You know, this is a, a pretty small studio, right? There's, uh, at least according right. to, uh, you know, in, in 2020, there, the last reported amount of people working there were 362 people. Like, that's, I mean, of course, that's not like a small amount, but, you know, that's right. not, you know, that's not Pixar. Right, like these people, these these like first of all, you need that many people to do something impossible like stop motion. Right. Um, second, the budget for movies like Kubo, um, doing all that like 
they have to three D print like like thousands and thousands of models, right? Just for different facial expressions, right? Um, you know, cost sixty million dollars to make, which is on the higher end for mm. animations, as we found out um, from our last episode. Like the highest mm. movie budget is like seventy two million, right? For sure, and. You know they're and they're doing all of these things, and of course, you know I wouldn't call sixty million a shoestring budget, but right. they're they're making these movies that are critically and commercially being super well received. You know, on budgets that are, you know, uh, that would you know <laughs> embarrass a you know that would embarrass uh you know Marvel, <laughs> right? Like. Um, their their highest um budgeted movie was um Missing Link, which came out in 2019. Um, right. and you know it, and that that budget was only 102 million. Um, and oh, even more than like that's the highest I've seen. And yeah. you know all their their stuff is just really critically well received. I mean their their um their movies Coraline, Paranorman, The Box Trolls, and Kubo and the Two Strings. Are all chilling at about like at a um oh you know chilling in the you know well past uh, mm-hmm. certified fresh you know some of them even uh you know Kubo and the two strings that you were talking about sitting at a, a solid ninety seven percent and you know Coraline needs you know well, I I'll talk about Coraline in a little bit but you know that that movie obviously put them on the map but yeah um yeah like this is you know this is a, a company that you know, um, is doing, um, is doing stuff, you know, that, 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 you know, other companies wish they could do, you know, they're, they're even doing stuff for stuff like the corpse bride, um, that they've, uh, were contracted out to do some bits for, um, so they're, you know, they're, they're everywhere. And, um, you know, recently in, in, in February of this year, the, the studio announced, um, that they're, uh, uh, that they have a new uh, president for live action mm-hmm. film and, and and stuff, so they'll um, you know they're 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 gonna get kicked off into to overdrive into the future, and then they're they're gonna ramp up production. And you know I'm I'm excited to see where they're they're going to the future. And they they I mean, there is a um, a movie on the horizon for them um, huh. called Wildwood that looks really interesting. But um, yeah, what do where do we where do we want to start, Mike? Well, I. Instantly appreciate the fact that these movies they have like a darker, mm. dare I say, like more violent, more tragic tone to them, mm. which you know is a gamble. Like it, it kind of explains why, like a lot mm. of more artsy college, you know, young adults like their movies, but like maybe some kids would be like, eh, you know, this isn't cute. This isn't fun you know this isn't ruby gilman in the kraken (laughs) wars you know so i can i can understand like why their movies are so highly rated but like the missing link uh beloved by everybody um made only a meager 26 million dropping in the middle of the pandemic yeah i mean there's there's that going for it but (laughs) like like it, it shows that like the money is kids are and I appreciate like a pandering to like YouTube channel kids, mm-hmm. even though they could be making hand over if they wanted to. Yeah, and I, 
I I agree, and but I I think that that's what um that's what's part of its its charm. Like it it knows that it's not going for a younger audience. It it mm-hmm. it's definitely shooting more for you know the people that liked Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, you know the the fourteen the fourteen to the twenty one year olds that you know aren't understood by their parents and you know spend their allowance at hot topic and right. you know listen to you know just random you know they either listen to you know garage rock bands that just play noise or mm-hmm. you know mall emo and shop at spencer's right like that's right. that's their target audience and i i think that they're I think that the audience is underserved, right? Like, I don't think that there's a ton of movies, you know, that get put out for um, that right. audience. But you know, you you think of the you think of the big movies that 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 audience loves, and mm-hmm. you think, well, first and foremost, of course, is Nightmare Before Christmas. You think of The Corpse Bride, you think of Paranorman, and you think of Coraline. And Leica yeah. worked on three out of those four movies. Mm-hmm. So you like you know they they've really cornered the market, right? Yeah, it's they established themselves for the the thirteen to I don't know twenty five or you know kids who aren't ready to give up cartoons, but they don't want to do the song and dance of Ohana means family, right? Nor do they want to like listen to Minion farts all day, right? You know, and that's a that's a tough market. You know, you're getting the the young kids who are just getting into Fallout Boy, and <laughs> who are staying up past nine. Um, but you're also getting like the cynical adults that are like, "Ooh, you know, Pixar, right? Jumps, you know." But yeah, I have to give it to them. Like, I'm glad that they tried, and I'm glad that they're succeeding. That they can make movies out in the future. For sure. For sure. You know, so, I'm sad that they can't be like Disney. Well, maybe I should be glad that they're not like Disney, where they're coming out with something every week. Right. You know, because that's kind of what uh, dulls the senses. Right, right. Um, yeah, no, it's it, it, it's really great. So, um, yeah, so do we, you know, do we want to go into their, their backstory a little bit? Do we want to talk yeah. about... Tell me Bill? about this company, Adam. Oh, like, it's it's... A real, a real modern tale of capitalism, Mike. Um, Mike, if I, (laughs) for sure, Mike, if I told you that a sneaker company also owned an animation studio, would you believe me? Not at all. (laughs) Well, it's kind of true. So, um, one of the owners of Leica Studio is uh, none other than um, Phil Knight. Who mm-hmm. is the co-founder and chairman of Nike? I don't know if you've heard of Nike, Mike. Oh, yes. Um, and uh, his uh, his son Travis Knight um, was working as an animator, and they uh, they they bought out a studio called um, Will Vinton Studios, mm-hmm. and um, you know they they made an investment, and then. They they bought the studio to then start pursuing feature length productions. And the year after they they bought it in like 2002 or around there, um, they brought on um, uh, a young man named Henry Selick, uh, who's known for directing things like I don't know the Nightmare Before Christmas, James oh. and the Giant Peach, um, mm-hmm. 
to work on their first feature-length product, uh, which was, you know, a little movie called Coraline. Yep. Uh, and, you know, from from that moment on, it just, it, they, you know, they, they, they skyrocketed. And, you know, the, you know, the, the, the movie Coraline, you know, received nominations for an Academy Award and they won BAFTAs and Golden Globes. And, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those, it's one of those studios that is like a modern, um, you know, modern success story. And, um, yeah, so mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's really cool how they, they got their start. Um, but, uh, really what defines the studio is that, um, no matter what they're they they don't they they're always moving forward with projects and they're not willing to just be tied down to one thing you know after they did coraline um you know they they did paranorman and then you know they they kind of like switched you know they 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 switched lanes you know they started doing stuff like kubo and mm-hmm. you know which is very not nightmare before christmas um but um you know they 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 started doing work with uh you know companies like apple and espn to do you know tv commercials and stuff like that yep um you know but then they uh you know in recent years they um you know they're they're taking on stuff um stuff by like neil gaiman they're doing the uh the ocean at the end of the lane um and you know it's it's you know they're they're doing awesome stuff and yeah um with with really creative intense people and it shows in their work they 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 love um the craft and it shows in their film right it's like they they seem like people that care about their script they Mm. they care about the message and the the feelings that come out uh, especially if that feeling is not just like childish laughter but like (laughs) you know stuff that kind of hits the heart you know, and they, I'll be honest, like, they take a run at, like, what Pixar does. Like, they're definitely infringing on their territory with, like, the majesty and the mm. professionalism of what they do. Um, and I think, like, they're the underdog, you know? They're the David in this story. And it kind of makes Pixar look like the Goliath. And you know who they root for, you know, the people. <laughs> so, um it, it's mm. sad to see when I look at their their article. It looks like they have a lot of products or projects in the works, um, and some of them are just kind of waiting for that right moment, like that Neil Gaiman mo- like project and um, Wendell and Wild. Um, you know these other things that they're trying to get out in this Wildwood that there seems like that's the most successful one coming out. Um, it's it's sad to see that the missing link came out in 2019 and was loved by critics but not by people with money um and that's why we have such a gap between now and their latest stuff yeah for sure for sure i mean it's definitely um yeah it's definitely um sad i think but ultimately i think at the end of the day it's um it's down to the fact that they they do love their product so much that they're not willing to just churn something out to churn something out, right? Like they're they want to do it right, and um, I think that they, you know, part of it I think was the timing of it, right? Coming out twenty nineteen, yeah. pandemic, um, you know, people are not going to movie theaters as much, 
but I I also think that part of it was like them retooling and and getting ready for their their next step. So you know for sure I I and I appreciate that right like because I think a lot of studios would Marvel um would just you know dig in and just say no we're gonna release ten more movies. DC also comes to mind. Right. And you know we're we're just gonna keep we're gonna keep throwing spaghetti at the wall until something sticks. And you right. know they definitely took the other approach because I, I think they take their 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 job seriously. Right. Like I think there was a time when people thought that quality was in whoever could come out with something on a yearly basis. And right. then you have a company that says, you know, we're gonna take a year off. And then right. the next time they come out with something it feels fresh and new and it makes everything else look like crap. And suddenly you're wondering, do we need a Madden every year? You know, maybe <laughs> do we need a NBA every year? Do we need a duty every year? Maybe it wouldn't be horrible if you guys did take, you know, uh, <laughs> a year off, a year off, you know, make pros yeah. and cons. What did you like about the last movie before you, <laughs> you just come out with a new one? Right. For sure. And, also, you know, the, the, the production level on these things isn't insignificant. Um, you know, it, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of effort. And, you know, it's, it's like you were saying, Mike, like it's, you know, I, I'm definitely more of the mindset of if it takes a year to release a superior product, let's take that time. Right. And, you know, I, I think that studios are starting to come around to that way of thinking now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the those two superhero franchises that we mentioned earlier i think are seeing the results of that and i think that they're rethinking how they're doing a lot of things so you know i, I you know i i can only see it as a as a positive mm-hmm. and um yeah especially in the case of, of 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 you know the smaller studio right like they don't have the budget of of pixar they don't have the the amount of staff and um yeah so it just makes sense for them to just take it at their own pace right and you know i, I was listening onto a podcast and, you know, no, no matter how you feel about um, Secret Invasion mm. from Marvel, um, the way they made it sounds like a horror story. Yeah. Um, they finished a script, shot the movie, went back, did four months of reshoots, which sounds like the whole series. Right. Um, now, that's the kind of delay we don't want. We don't want to delay because of reshoots. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we want we want delays because you're taking time with an original goal in right. plan in mind. And so, I, you know, I, I really think that's the straw that broke the the camel's back for Pixar, Disney and Marvel. You know, they're looking at this and they're like, this was a tornado of hodgepodge. And maybe we should take a breath and go slow. Maybe give our, you know, our employees Christmas off. And you know other things, right? <laughs> yeah, that's just yeah. my uh, going back to superhero movie talk. Yeah, right. Um, but no, I, I I totally I totally see where you're coming from, and yeah. So I I really do wish this studio, um, you know, a, a bright future, and they 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 definitely um, have been hitting it out of the park. I think for the last for their the, the series of that they've released, so I'm I'm excited to see it going forward. But um, Mike, for um, for tonight, um, you saw Kubo and the Two Strings. You want to tell us about that? Right. So I've seen this movie on and off. I keep forgetting mm-hmm. that I've seen this. 
But then I saw it again. And yeah. one of the things about like uh, studios is that their stuff is always on the free channels, which is very generous. Mm. Um, so I was able to see, really, I could see any of the offerings on, right. on either Freevee, Tubi, or Pluto TV, which um, I felt like a millionaire having all three of those at my um So I chose Kubo. Kubo being the one that's like the poster child that everyone wants to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, Kubo kind of Kubo feels like Mulan if Mulan was directed by Dark Souls. <laughs> like, and that, and, and I mean that in the most positive and amazing way. Just like huge, terrifying monsters that would, you know, keep my son up uh, for the next 10 years. Um, you know, dark issues of like people, like of loss, of death, of monsters literally winning fights and killing people. Um, your own grandpa trying to rip out your own eyeball. Um, you know, trying to make that a you know a family friendly story. Great. Um, but you know, these guys they did it. Like anyone who doesn't know what Kubo is about, Kubo is set in like. Uh, samurai Japan. Um, Kubo's mom uh, had to save them from her grandpa. Grandpa was trying to steal the, the baby's eyeballs. Um, they were able to successfully hide them, but you know the mom kind of got wrecked in it. She became very like uh, forgetful, and she was kind of deteriorating because of that episode where she saved her son, and it turned out real bad. Um, and Kubo has like this amazing skill. That I'm, sh- I'm surprised hasn't made him a millionaire. He can strum two strings on a guitar, make beautiful music, and have paper origami like play to his like to his bidding, um, doing full feature presentations for him. Mm. Like how that kid is still poor after having that skill is beyond me. <laughs> but you know that's his cool, cool thing, and they do really cool stuff with the origami and the his music. And then, you know, his past catches up to him, and he's off finding swords and armor and helmets, um, mourning over the loss of his family, following a monkey into huge boss fights with uh, that do half HP damage with one hit, um, you know, leveling up his sword, all that cool stuff you do in Dark Souls, set to a movie with some pretty impressive fight scenes. And some pretty freaky demons of Japan along the way. Mm. I hope I did that movie justice. Yeah, um, you know, I think that's a that's a really solid um, synopsis. Uh, it, it um, I think the the thing that sold me about um, this movie is um, how the you know when you think of stop motion animation, you kind of think of one of two things, right? You think of either the goofy kind of claymation of Wallace and Gromit. Right. Or you think of, like, the kind of oddball, you know, non-mainstream, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this movie kind of takes it in a totally other direction. It, it has its own very beautiful... Um, it, it's like they, they took origami and, like, brushstroke calligraphy and made it into, and they took that, those two art forms, and made it into an animation style. Right. And it's in in movement and in action, it is in, 
incredible. They definitely play off of the idea of like fluidity meeting very mm-hmm. geometric design and you know in the the characters fighting styles in their their characterization um you know it's uh yeah it's it's incredible the um just the art direction of this movie and um and you know the you know the the, the director knight um he talks about how he was inspired by Hayao Miyazaki um who of course co-founder of Studio Ghibli uh, was a huge uh, influence as well as um, the uh, the artist um, Dario. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm gonna butcher this. Dario uh, Marinelli, who mm-hmm. um, is known for um, doing uh, like movies uh, like um, The Warrior and mm-hmm. um, I Capture the Castle and The Brothers Grimm, Pride and Prejudice, V for Vendetta. Um, atonement so yeah so the uh uh yeah so being inspired by by the, the two of those artists and martinelli doing the uh the music for this uh specifically um yeah they just captures um it, yeah it, it just feels like a love letter to um a lot of like japanese um artistic passions and yeah uh it's it's a stunning movie yeah it reminds me of the art from that capcom game okami mm, which feels mm-hmm. like um watercolor brushes but like to but uses it to make like these very intriguing and a little bit freakish uh you know monsters and demons that need to be fought with swords and you know the one thing that i think the movie was not ready to do because this did not this trend did not become like politically correct until like in the 2020s is if you're going to have a Japanese movie, maybe have mostly Japanese actors and actresses. I mean, yeah. I'm, you know, sorry, sorry, Charlie Theron, you did an amazing job. Um, yeah. I'm not going to say anything bad about the actors and actresses because I think I did, they did a stellar job. I just know that if this movie was made in 2020, you know, they would be shopping around to more like Japanese actors. For sure, for sure, and you know it's, it, you know it, it it is one of those things where, um, you know, like you, you would you would of course you want um like you said like a a movie that celebrates um so much of 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 Asian and Japanese culture to to, to feature um you know more Asian and Japanese talent right but you know at the same time. Um, you know, it's, you know, it, it, you know, you, you don't really hear or you don't really see those complaints for other projects like, you right. know, Avatar, The Last Airbender or, um, you know, stuff like that. So I, I mean, and I, I get it. It, it I, I think it's, it's very important. And I, I think if, you know, the studio were to, to, to do it over again, I, I would hope that they would try and, and go for more um you know asian mm-hmm. actors and actresses um but i um it, it it the movie is such a celebration of japanese mm-hmm. and asian art styles that it it almost gets you, you kind of that kind of takes a back seat if that makes sense right right like as a a person that's you know half filipino just being able to 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 see 
you know, art styles like that celebrated um, is awesome. And I, um, but that's not to say that I, I don't want to see, you know, Ken Watanabe, you know, (laughs) take over a voice acting role because I think he could and he should, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely like a, um, yeah, I'm just glad that this was made at all in that art style. Yeah, like no one was really arguing and offended that Matthew McConaughey and Ralph Fiennes and Rooney Mara were, uh, you know, replacing Asian actors. And maybe because, you know, there's so much else, other stuff in this movie that's so respectful to the culture and so, like, hits it just so right that um, you can appreciate that. Right. Um, Adam. Mm-hmm. With our remaining time, tell us about yes. Coraline. Man, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know how much, you know, more we can we can talk about Coraline that people don't already know. Um, you know, just a, a a quick a quick run through. Um, you know, it's a stop motion dark fantasy horror. Um, you know, based on a Neil Gaiman novella. Um, you know, we love Neil Gaiman. Um, and it features. Voice talents of, you know, a young Dakota Fanning, Terry Hatcher, um, Keith David, uh, John Hodgman, Robert Bailey Jr. Um, and, you know, directed by Henry Selleck, um, who, again, did little projects like The Nightmare Before Christmas. And, you know, th- this movie was made on a, a really small budget, really, $60 million and, and made 131 and um you know uh this movie was was made out of a relationship made by you know gay uh gayman and uh sorry gaiman and selick and mm-hmm. um you know they 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 pitched this movie and they got people behind it and they they created this this awesome creepy um story that was almost you know you couldn't um I think what makes Nightmare Before Christmas so such a great movie is that you couldn't tell a similar story in any other art form. It would just mm-hmm. feel wrong. And it's the same for Coraline. Right. Um, it, it, it just, the, the imagery, the, the storytelling, it, you couldn't do it in live action. You couldn't do it in just hand-drawn animation. And I, I think it, it, it proves out because... You know, it it you know it, it won or it got nominated for you know a bunch of Academy Awards. You know, it got nominated for you know best animated feature, um, and then you know it, it also just got nominated for for you know every you know every big thing you think of, right? BAFTAs, Golden Globes, you know, all of the above. And um, yeah, it, it's just one of those things that um, came together perfectly with the right people at the right time. Um, and again, I think the biggest thing um, that Leica does is that it takes these really cool ideas and uses their artistic talents to tell a story in a way that nobody else could. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's the biggest takeaway from Kubo and Coraline that, you know, no matter what, um, um, you know, no matter what, uh, the story is about, or what the art style looks like, um, like a just you know they just know they just have an innate ability to um, mm-hmm. to show it visually in a way that enhances the story, 
um, whereas opposed to, you know, um, you know, with stuff with like Pixar, like when you see something, you're like, oh, this is a very Pixar art style. It kind of is, um, it's kind of samey, right? Like you look at, you know, you look at Monsters, Inc. and you look at Toy Story and you look at, you know, Cars and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, like these are, these are different stories with different, different characters, but you can see a similar art style throughout. Whereas <laughs> with Leica, they say, no, like this is a story with a specific art direction and we're going to change our art to match. And right. um, I, I think that that's so incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I feel like stylized animation just isn't a thing. Um, mm. You know, it kind of feels like there's one package, but like, you know, the ones that stand out, you know, Skeleton or Skeleton Nightmare Before Christmas, Corpse Bride, Coraline, um, you know, they they make their stuff so different that like it, that that art style feels like the, an extra actor. That without mm. that actor, the movie would be trash. Right. Like, you know, you could put cars in, anim- like, claybation, stop motion, and it would make no difference. But if you change, like, something in Coraline, you're, you're like, doing a dis- a, a, a injustice. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, no, and I, I love that point that you made, Mike, right? Like, you could, you know, you could animate cars like you animated... You know, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, Moana. Yeah. I know that that's not necessarily Pixar, but you know, and it, you know, maybe the color palette changes. You know, maybe some of the character designs change a little bit, but it's still functionally the same story, right? Um, whereas opposed to you know Kubo, right? Like if it was animated, like you know, How to Train Your Dragon. You know, I don't, I don't know if it has that same punch, right? And that's like my like best connection is like why do I like Kubo so much more than How to Train Your Dragon? Mm. Maybe because like Kubo wants to win me over with more serious stuff and more darker stuff, mm. and that's the tone. While um, you know How to Train Your Dragon is still trying to win over the eight year olds and the nine and seven year olds and right, right. Uh, essentially my son. <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah, totally, totally agree and yeah so i i mean that's you know that that that's what i got and um you know guys if you're listening to this and you haven't seen you know any of these movies seriously 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 do yourself a favor and go check these out all you need is wi-fi and you can see a majority of these movies yeah Yeah. like i have to give i have to i have to tip my hat to you know like a you know standing in a gap um the money, the money is it's sad to see that some of their stuff did not just, you know, did not do well, even though critics nominated it for, you know, Oscars. They got lots of nods for Oscars. Mm. And some of those movies did not make nearly as much money as they should have. Right. Um, but it's good to see that they're still around. And I really do hope that they continue to grow. Mm. I hope that they're, you know they strike up a a sweet deal with a streaming company and they get like 10 more projects off the ground. Right. For sure. Um, yeah, totally. And I, I really do think that, um, it just as a closing thought, um, that, you know, even just the, the movie going public, the media consumption consuming public, 
has changed so much even since 2019. Um, I, I think one of the, the positives, at least from the, the pandemic, is that I think people got exposed, pun not intended, um, <laughs> uh, that people got exposed to different kinds of media. And I think audiences are really just craving unique stories and unique storytelling mm-hmm. perspectives. And um, yeah, so I think that the the time now is right for a company like Leica to just create awesome original products. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, anyways, Adam, this closes out our animation month. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I like the idea that we kind of skipped out on Pixar. Yeah. And- I mean, we still talked about them, right? I mean, you can't yeah. talk about animation and not talk about, you know. But we kind of we kind of gave it to DreamWorks and we gave it to Leica, and oh, you know, it got me excited, excited that there are still good movies and some of them are free, <laughs> right? No, totally, totally agree. And you know, that's not to say that you know Pixar, you know, is putting out a, a bad product. I mean, of course not. No, but we wouldn't be talking about them if they did. Right. Um, but I, you know, I, I always viewed Pixar as an awesome, awesome starting point um, to get into and, and to see, you know, the, the rest of the world that, that that is out there. Right. Like, you know, you start checking out things like oh, if, if you really liked Zootopia, then you're like, oh, maybe I should check out, you know, this this, you know, Kubo and the Two Strings. And then you're like, oh, I really like this art style. So maybe maybe I'll check out you know uh these other animated these other animated movies who uh how's moving castle that's really cool and then you get yeah. into stuff like akira and then you get into stuff you know like one of my personal favorite movies of all time the adventures of Tintin. and right. you're like oh the animation isn't just for kids and um yeah so i feel like animation is is one of the the you know the unsung heroes of the movie world and um yeah i should get more respect yeah, there's a lot of things. We're finding out that there's a lot of things you can do um, with animation that uh, you know, people are just realizing, like, oh, you know, it can be cool, it can be serious, it can feel like the next big Marvel hit, it can feel like a dark sci-fi dystopia, mm. you know, it, it can feel like past lives, you know, the most serious movie ever made. <laughs> you know, it can... You know, it, you don't, it doesn't have to be just for children. Right. And it shouldn't be for children with all the hard work and computer stuff they do. And it shouldn't be like that. That's robbery. Just giving it to children. <laughs> yeah. Right. For sure. Totally, totally agree. And, you know, as long as these companies aren't just giving all these vocal roles to our favorite human Chris Pratt, I will continue to go see animated movies, and I hope that after you know this month of podcasts, you uh, you, you feel inspired to go check out some animated movies as well. Yep, uh, check out our Discord because we mm. talk about movies and uh, great stuff like this. And I'll try to post um, where you can see some of the stuff we've talked about over this month for free, or at least on one of the popular streaming services. You know, it's kind of like a playlist, but you need 15 hours instead of one. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So as we go into December, uh, who knows what will come up? It'll probably involve one of us seeing Rebel Moon, but that's all the spoilers you'll get. 
yeah, no, for sure. We definitely, definitely got to see that. Um, I, I mean, I'll, I, you know, I don't. It won't take a lot of convincing for me to to give a quick review about uh, Boy and His Crane. I know I'm very mm-hmm. excited about that. So, you know, this, this, there's always something to talk about, Mike. Always something to talk about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining us. Check out our RetroLogic Discord. Um, that's where the community is at, and that's a great community. My name is Mike. I'm Adam. And thank you for joining us. Mwah.